Welcome to Your New Life Blend. I'm Shoshana Hecht, and today I'm delighted to be joined by author, entrepreneur, and podcast host, Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. Alicia is the author of My What If Year, in which she found herself wondering, what if her life had gone in a different direction and took a year off to pursue all the unrealized dreams of her youth? Needless to say, I absolutely cannot wait to hear more about that. Alicia's writing has also appeared in Vogue, Marie Claire, Insider, Romper, and Huffington Post. And she's also the host of podcast Extra Shot, which just launched. Congratulations. Thank you. And the award-winning Quit Your Day Job. Incidentally, the day job she quit was being CEO at IG Advisors, an award-winning social impact intelligence agency co-founded with her husband that consults to the world's biggest nonprofits, companies, and foundations on their philanthropy and social impact. In addition to her thriving media career, Alicia has now returned to that company as chair. Raised in Miami, a graduate of Harvard University and the London School of Economics, currently based in Scotland, Alicia contains multitudes, and I'm so excited to hear all about them from her now. Welcome to the show, Alicia. Thank you so much for having me, Shoshana. I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm so excited to be um, chatting with you, like kind of one of our more obvious Your New Life Blend guests, right? Yeah. <laughs> no need to really make the uh, narrative connection for people there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we're just like, keeping it really easy as we ease into September with our dot connections. We need that, right? I devoured your book. I have to say, I listened to the whole thing pretty quickly. I mean, there's so many entry points. It really brought the COVID, the onset of the pandemic and what we all did not know or knew or what we felt like it really made it super alive. Yeah. Um, and so we used to really ask people, what changed for you? And I kind of want to start there a little. That was really the beginning of you jumping into this what if year. It really was. The beginning, beginning was me being in denial that anything was happening because I got on a plane to New York on February 29th. I was living in London at the time. I left everybody behind <laughs> and I was like, everything's going to be fine because I genuinely believed it was. And because I had already started a little bit on this path that I had laid out for myself. The plan was to take sabbaticals from my job. I had done all the preparation to go to New York and intern on two shows, a Broadway and an off-Broadway musical. Lifelong dream fulfilled as part of what was going to be a year of internships and exploring all of these different career paths. And so when things started to feel like they were getting bad, I just refused to believe it. I had my fingers in my ears. It wasn't going to happen. For, I was not, it was just not going to happen. The most powerful and primitive defense mechanism, denial. Exactly. <laughs> right? yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I was increasingly, I'm in New York. I'm having the time of my life. Things are getting progressively worse. And the writing is on the wall that at some point this is all going to explode. But it felt like when it happened, it happened very quickly. I mean, you would have read this in the book. There it was like a flurry of text messages during the intermission mm -hmm. at the invited dress of Flying Over Sunset, a Broadway show at Lincoln Center that was opening the next day in previews that eventually got postponed, saying, Orders are closed. Flights are being canceled. You have to come home. My husband absolutely losing his mind. That day, Broadway went dark. They shut mm -hmm. all the Broadway shows down mm -hmm. the following afternoon. I took off that evening. 
I arrived in London. We packed up the kids, the car, the suitcases, and we went up to a vacation house we had on the Isle of Skye, a little cottage. The Isle of Skye is like far northwest corner of Scotland, so very far away Mm -hmm. and very remote. And my husband was, he was convinced the full apocalypse was going to happen. He had been prepping with a giant suitcase full of some very useful and some very not useful items like foie gras and shiitake mushrooms and like, I don't know what kind of pandemic he was going to be living through. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was like, I need a million kilograms of coffee beans and then I know I'll survive. So we were in Sky for the pandemic. They locked down the UK about two weeks after we got there. Mm-hmm. And then we were just there. And against that backdrop, reading it, I was like, wow, like she was on a mission for this <laughs> year of internship experiences. So I'd love to hear a little bit of like, just for people who haven't read the book, like on paper, right, I would say, and to correct me if this is wrong, like, nice life job you created with your beloved you guys still together work together that's a hundred percent right i was living in a beautiful house in london i had two wonderful children and a very cute dog happily married to my husband we worked together and it was our firm which meant we got to make all the decisions about what we did when we did it and who we did it with we had been building the business for almost 10 years at that point a little bit less i guess was about eight years in 2019 and It was everything that I had wanted, everything I worked for and everything that I had thought I wanted. And it's not to say I was never happy doing that because there was definitely a time when I was, but there had been sort of this nagging feeling like, is this really where I want to be? Am I in the right place? Should I be doing something else? That I ignored for many years, I think, because it just, one, I had young kids and I like couldn't deal with the idea of changing anything. And two, it was a very, very scary thought to contemplate. And of course, I felt horribly guilty. Who am I to question or judge? I have all of these things that so many people strive for. I am so lucky in so many ways. How dare I feel like this isn't what I want? I'm just being ungrateful for what I've been given. And unpicking that narrative in my head took me a while before I could actually do anything about it. Yeah, that lands. This is why this show is here. I mean, it's the work I do with all my clients and also the side of the guilt. I have so much. I feel I should just be happy and I'm not, right? That was my whole upbringing. I was very conditioned to be grateful for what I had. And so that's what I was doing. And the idea of not doing that felt like a betrayal maybe in some ways to my parents, to my ancestors who had made the trek over from Cuba, who had made the trek generations before on the other side from Eastern Europe. You know, I was living all of the things that they had wanted for me. And to say, maybe I don't want these things for myself anymore Mm -hmm. was very scary. Mm -hmm. Very, very scary. I think women get their own, they get a brand of messages that feed this pleasing. And for those of us who are achievers, I think it gets very hard to untangle whose path we're walking. That's really what you're speaking to. Yeah. And I had never even questioned that was the right path. And Mm -hmm. I had really, beyond sort of just fantasizing, had never thought about the other paths that I Mm -hmm. didn't take until I sat down in earnest and started thinking about this as a project I was really going to do. It wasn't a book at the beginning. It was called The 40-Year-Old Intern. That was like my name for it before it became my what if year. And that's really what I wanted to do. I just had this desire to explore those things that I never explored. But really, I had said to myself, I'm going to do this is going to be like, I'm going to go experiment. I'm going to learn. I'm going to come back into the same place. And I'm going to feel so much better because I'll have had this like year of fun and I'll have gotten out all of my wild professional oats 
Mm-hmm. Just come back and be satisfied with everything because all I need is like a little vacation from my real life kind of thing. That's what I had told myself at the yeah. beginning. It's funny, though, because some people might just take like a sabbatical, putting it together like a, you really did create hard jobs. Like being an intern, I think at any age is tough, rightfully for the very high energetic, less needing sleep, younger, earlier career person. You're definitely pressing up against some tough obstacles. Definitely some logistical challenges. But my love for musical theater is well documented mm-hmm. in yeah. the book. And we have mm-hmm. also talked about Yeah, but I did just have one sidebar, one issue with your comment about Natalia. Tasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. It's controversial. Extremely controversial to me. (laughs) I have heard from people who saw, did you see it off Broadway or on Broadway? On twice. I wanted to see it the third time and then it closed. Because I heard from people who saw it off Broadway that it was incredible in the smaller venue and it was more interactive. And seeing it on, I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't get it. Mm. Didn't get it. But you know, it's, it's a memoir. This is like my Prince Harry talking about his Losing his virginity story. This was me having to be controversial in my memoir yeah, where I'm this fr- his his frostbite. I'm right? gonna say yeah. something controversial. Yeah. yeah. I read it and I was like, what? I know. <laughs> it was I controversial. Know. I was to worried. Me. I was worried with my people pleaser hat on. Yeah. What if people read that who love that musical and then they're gonna think I'm a terrible person? But that's okay. There's I stand my ground. It's not one of my favorites, but I love musicals. And mm-hmm. I had had this dream of really wanting to be a part of a production and also acknowledging I had zero skill to bring to a musical production. Yeah, I can balance a budget so you can put me in an office maybe. But to really be part of a rehearsal room, to be part of the creative process, mm-hmm. the only way to do that was going to be to go back to the very beginning. And for years I had said, only partly joking, I will just go, if they let me sit in on rehearsals, I'll just get people coffee. I can do that. I'd buy the coffees. Mm-hmm. Like, I just wanted to be a part of it. So it seems so obvious to me to do an internship. Like, what a fun opportunity to actually be able to be part of one of these spaces that I had always wanted to inhabit. And with the recognition that I was going in, no matter what I had done in my career, I was going in at zero with zero experience. Everybody in that room was going to be more qualified and experienced than me. How did you get your head around that? As like, you know, London School of Economics, Harvard, I feel like achiever, go-getter. That's sort of your pattern. You put that as one of your takeaways. Be okay with not being the best, right? But you got to get your head around that going into it. And I'm curious how you found a little bit, how you found your way there, because I think that's helpful. I wish I hadn't I wish I could have gone in there not wanting to be the best. But of course, Mm -hmm. I went in there being like, I'm going to be the best intern ever in the history of time in theater ever. Okay, got it. First internship. I needed to get through the other three before I really started to understand the being okay with being bad at things. It was extremely humbling in a great way. And it was so nice to have the pressure off of my shoulders because having run my own business for so many years and you will listen to your listeners, I'm sure many of them will know this. Everything stops with you. All of the victories you get to take, but you also take all of the knocks, all of the hits, all of the places you fall down. Mm -hmm. And after doing that for years, to be in an environment where my most important job was to make sure that the water jug didn't get too empty. I had obviously been completely burned out and I don't even think I realized it until I had took myself out of that environment. And I was like, oh, okay, wow, this is so much more relaxing than everything I had been doing before. So it was nice. But of course, I wanted to be the best intern. Of course, I wanted to like leave there and have them be like, we're going to immediately offer you a job being in charge of every musical to be on Broadway this year. Refilling all the water jugs for all the musicals on Broadway. By the way, would you like a starring role as well? We'll give you a singing part. Like as much as I do not want to admit that that's true, 100%, it was still 
on my mind to be a very good intern. Okay, got it. And ironically, that first true love maybe of theater was like perhaps the best one because you were so versed in the the world and the vocabulary as a fan, Mm -hmm. right? That was my sense. I already told you this that it started on February 29th and it was cut short and I had to go home. It was just such a dream come true. I'm not sure I ever would have gotten tired of it. I just tell myself that because that makes me feel better. But no, I mean, I loved it. It was my favorite and it was certainly relatively easier because they didn't really need me. At the beginning, they were really doing John Weidman a favor by letting me in. John Weidman, who legendary theater writer, very good friend of the family. I'm best friends with his daughter. And he had made the introductions for me that enabled me to be part of these productions. And he had said to me, like, try to make yourself useful, but also they'll be fine without you. So I really made work for myself, but it's not like I was integral to the productions in any way. Whereas in my later internships, I was doing a lot more actual work to support. You name this in the acknowledgments too, but like how you're like, people ask me how I got these internships, straight up nepotism. So Like just naming for everybody, like the privilege of like well-placed relationships. hundred percent. I mean, I applied cold to probably 50 different opportunities at least before COVID happened. And I got no response, no responses at all. And I really feel for people who are at later stages in their career trying to make shifts because I was not what they were looking for. I wasn't even worth an interview. You know, this is CEO of my own business. Harvard graduate. It was just very difficult to break in. And I was really, really lucky that I knew people that were able to help me out. Because if not now, I do think there are a number of organizations and coaches and people who have popped up to help folks later in their careers make big pivots or shift. I was not aware of those resources at the time. So maybe it's good I didn't know, but it was tough. It was tough. It's not like anybody wanted me as an intern. Yeah. And I think it's a little, I mean, I work with those people. Exactly. They're lucky to have you. Thank you. Harness their special magic sauce that they bring to the table and translate and transform it into like all kinds of other and see themselves in different capacities is challenging, but super fun. But I feel like what you did was a little different. Like you really tapped in, harvested all the things that you had thought about your high school self, all the what ifs. One of the best things for me about having the opportunity to do these internships is to really get under the skin of a job and see what's like and how it works. And Mm. How does the money come in and go out? What kind of skills do the people need to be really good at that? I'm just, I'm fascinated by it. I'm really fascinated by it. And that has not stopped since I finished my internships. I'm still constantly trying out new and different things because I love learning and I love learning about what people do for a living. Or maybe what's new is your ability to activate slash execute on it? It's a great question. I think I have always been a person who is passionate about learning even before I took it to such an extreme project. When they launched edX, I don't remember when that happened, when they first really like online education for free became something that people were doing. And edX was launched with all of these different, you know, universities around the US and you could take classes in anything. I signed up for like a full semester of classes, although I had a full-time job and young children. And I took up tap dancing. I did knitting. I did, you know, I mean, I've always liked trying new things and learning new things. 
But I don't think I realized, one, how important it was to me for that to be a part of my life. Really, really, really important, it turns out. And two, I don't think I had realized that I had stopped doing that. For sure, in the years leading up to the decision to go and take these internships, I had not made learning a priority. It just didn't fit in with all of the other things that I was doing building company, raising my children, all of those things, I had really stopped prioritizing so much of the stuff that I loved. And learning was a big piece of that. Going to museums was a big piece of that. All of these things that I loved to do, I had stopped doing them. This feeling that I had that was so real that I was always defining myself in relation to the other people in my life. Right. Like I had gotten to that point. I was mom, I was wife, I was CEO, mm -hmm. I was daughter, I was friend. All of these things had become my identity and I had forgotten who I was or what I was supposed to be doing when I wasn't worried about all of those things. Or like we and like to say on the show, what your North Star is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. what really guides you and drives you, but not just the ambition side, how exactly. you make all the parts of your life work. And again, so you had this, we're in this fortunate position with like supportive partner, I guess, obviously financial capacity to take a year out, but then you took it further by designing a year of intensive sliding doors learning for yourself. It's extremely cool. Tell us a little bit about like what's changed since then. We've touched about it a little bit, but I think the connection to the North Star is a great place to start and how you really discern when you're losing the thread a little bit. So much of my life is different. It is nearly unrecognizable. We left London and we left not just the city, but the very fast paced no time for anything lifestyle that we had been living. I was wondering about that decision. It was a big decision. We had been in London for 12 years. My children were born there. Our businesses were there. Certainly COVID and the fact that so much moved online made it possible. Me deciding not to come back as CEO also made that very possible. I couldn't imagine going back to that place where I couldn't see my North Star. It was like too cloudy, too much smog and too many city lights to see the star. Scotland, the skies are much, much clearer. We physically changed our location and changed the day to day of my life is totally different than it was before. I mean, professionally, who even knows what I do now? I write books. I still work for Harry Blaine, the art dealer that I interned for in the book. Nice. So I'm still working for him. I'm still chair of the business. So I have some strategic responsibilities in terms of kind of the board. And there's one or two clients I still work with, but I do that a bit. And I think what has been the deeper shift is just a complete redefinition of what success looks like to me and not having what used to be, what I used to think of as success as the center driving force of my life. I really think about when I make decisions about how I want to spend my time, if there are projects I want to take on, am I going to enjoy this? Am I going to learn from it? Mm -hmm. Does it feel a little bit scary? Scary is good. I realized I needed to be like pushed out of things that were comfortable for me to feel like I was growing. And actually, that is probably how I would answer your question. Mm -hmm. I know I am in the right place and I am doing the right thing when I'm feeling a tiny bit afraid and a little bit like I don't know what I'm doing. And that is not for everybody, but that is certainly something that keeps me feeling energized and like I'm in the right place. People have a lot of fear about fear, right? It's interesting to me. And I'm constantly coaching people on just, we have to do it scared. Like we have to do stuff scared. Like we can't wait till we're not afraid to try things. And there is something about that you have tapped in to what fear is actually saying to you, the little dose of it. 100%. I'm not a risk-taking person mm -hmm. at all, but I just, I need those challenges. I need 
to feel like I'm just doing the same thing. I need to be sitting down sometimes and really feel, I don't know, I'm not 100% sure what I'm going to be doing or I'm not 100% sure this is going to go well. And I think I'm course correcting, really. I had spent my entire life terrified of failure and ever not being the best at something, trying something and screwing it up. That was like the worst thing that I could possibly imagine happening to me. And part of the experience of these internships is that once I was really bad at a lot of the things, but I still enjoyed them and I still learned from them. I still got something out of them. I started to realize, oh, maybe I have been wrong. And it seems almost ridiculous that it took me 40 years to figure out that failure is not such a terrible thing, but it it did. Well, also, I think the pressure of pleasing, we've talked about pleasing a little bit, the pressure of what will the people I respect and love and want to please the most in my life and whoever that is for us, our parents, whatever they'll be disappointed. And I don't know if I can live with that, right? What I think is really powerful woven in this is you haven't made friends with your fear, but you've learned how to understand it as information you need to like make discernments and to take that pause and really think about what's the right move, what's the right yes, what's the right no. I love that. That's such a great way to put it. And I think it's realizing that fear is not something to be afraid of Mm -hmm. and that it's data. It's data, as you said, it's telling me something important. And I think it feels good to be a little bit afraid. Mm -hmm. And it feels really good to have been afraid of something and then do it and then just think. Yeah, I did that. Well done. Yeah. So more internships. That's a surprise to me. That was my question. Like, what's next? More? I wish. Okay, my husband would definitely (laughs) murder me if I go on any more internship. There is a slight moratorium on leaving him and the children for extended periods of time. I say that I'm like coming to the US for another round of book events in November. So, you know, I have to obviously be conscious of that. I do still really want to do some internships. And my kids are getting older also, Mm -hmm. right? They're like Mm -hmm. 12. So I am pursuing just all sorts of opportunities that have come my way and that seem interesting and fascinating and that are a bit unusual. And that's everything from I'm thinking about putting on a fringe show in Edinburgh next year with some of the people that I, through a choir I joined. I wrote a cookbook for the hotel that I interned with in the Isle of Skye. They never, ever want me to come back and waitress there because I'm the worst waitress. (laughs) (laughs) But when I finished my internship, they were like, never come work here, but we want to put together a 50th anniversary cookbook. And would you like to write a series of essays? And can you interview our suppliers and spend time with our foraging and kitchen? So I did it. I spent... Mm -hmm five months doing all this great research and interviewing these incredible people all over the island. And our book just won a Guild of Food Writers Award in the UK, which is like a huge deal. And so I'm just, I'm trying to pursue things that give me that little edge of fear, of Mm -hmm. excitement. I am, oh, this is breaking news because I haven't told anybody about this yet, but I'm planning a retreat next year for people to come to Sky and experience all of the incredible things I got to do in the book and have some what if time of their own. I'm working on a novel, which is scary and exciting. So it's a lot of pieces right now. And I am trying to enjoy them as much as possible and to not be terrified by the fact that like it's hard for my mother to explain to people what I do for work anymore. It wasn't easy before. And now she's just she just has given up. I have so many responses to all this. Congratulations on the award. I did see that. I didn't. When I saw that you won the award a few weeks ago, I hadn't yet finished the book. And so I didn't put it together 
but of course that was the place you interned and that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, like, no one else probably would have let me write it. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Of course it makes sense. But it's like, oh, of course that's the natural extension of what happened at that internship is that they were able to see your strengths and harness them for a great collab, which is awesome. I think there's nothing wrong with it taking, I just want to name this, that it taking to 40 to figure out our relationship to fear. I think actually that's pretty ahead of the game because life is scary and things are hard and the waves keep coming. Your willingness and ability to beat that year out of your life to really explore that is unique and amazing. Most people cannot take a year out, right? To do a what if set of internships. And this is normal. People can go on a retreat. People can harvest the lessons of your book. You know, I guess I'm curious how you talk about it in an accessible way for people to do their own discernment on their what ifs. Does that make sense? You are 100% the expert at giving people this sort of advice. So mm -hmm. I'm only going to say things that you already know, I mm -hmm. think, and say to your listeners all the time. But I'll tell you something cool. I was covering the Edinburgh Book Festival last month for Zip Mag got an Instagram message from a woman from Atlanta, Georgia, and she said, I'm coming over to Edinburgh for the book festival. Can we meet up for you to sign my book for me at the festival? And my book has not been published in the UK yet. So I was like, yes, of course, I would love to do this. I was like, how many copies do you want? Yeah. But so I met her and we had a coffee and we had the nicest time. And she said that she had put going to Scotland and going to the Edinburgh Book Festival. It was on her vision board for years. She said that she had been afraid to do such a big trip on her own. And that in the course of reading my book and of course the pandemic and many other things I think that impacted her, she decided that it was worth taking the step. She booked the plane ticket and then she let things kind of go from there. I thought that was an incredible story and that it is just do one thing, just pick one thing that you have really wanted to do or that you're slightly afraid of. You always wanted to learn and never tried. And that is the thing that you need to do. You do not need to take a whole year. Whatever that thing is for you, do the one small thing. Take a class on the weekend. Pick up a book in a different language that you've always wanted to learn. Get together with your friends. Join a book club where you don't know anybody. I mean, whatever it is, learn a new skill, but just do it. Life is too short to think that there's going to be time for it later. And it is typically, while there are many, many practical concerns, a lot of times it's just the fear that's stopping people from doing it. So I hope that people are encouraged by reading the book or listening to this interview to just whatever that thing is that your heart is dreaming about, just do just do the one small thing and see what happens. Where's the mic drop emoji on that? That's like a boom. You're right. I coach people on this stuff all the time. Tiny actions compound into massive changes. I think that is such a powerful capture of that, right? You laid out this big thing. Everybody has a little bit of agency, like what's the course? What's the group? What's this tiny step that you can take that's been back there in your brain? Everybody has it. Yeah. I have not met a single person who doesn't. Everybody has it. Totally. 100% agree. Ah, Alicia, amazing. I feel like that's such a good place to hold it too, I think. How can we follow along the journey? Where can we connect with you? All the links. We'll put them all in the show notes. Um, all the links. You can find me on Instagram. I spend too much time on Instagram. Mm. And I'm at Alicia F. Miranda. And I also keep uh, my website pretty regularly updated. It's aliciafmiranda.com. And my new podcast, Extra Shot with Alicia Fernandez Miranda. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot like this, uh, but we also play games. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I obviously recommend it, but I'm biased. Yeah, I recommend it also. I've been enjoying it myself. That's amazing. We're going to drop all of that so people can follow along and connect. And also, of course, to your book. And thank you so much for being here. And thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Shoshana Heck, just reminding you, as ever, to be gentle with yourself. <laughs>